There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo, and today I sit down with a visionary leader at the helm of Resco, a company that has not only stood the test of time, but has continued to innovate and excel in its field. Tim Strand, the president of Resco, represents the third generation of excellence in the business. With a relentless commitment to transforming the landscape of food manufacturing sales and marketing. Tim and his team have revolutionized the industry. Under Tim's leadership, Resco has become synonymous with unparalleled support for food manufacturers across the nation. Their comprehensive suite of services, which includes lead generation, product sampling, the creation of captivating marketing materials, and more has become the gold standard in the sector. Tim's passion for driving success and his dedication to providing innovative solutions has solidified Resco's reputation as an industry pioneer. In an era where competition is fierce, Tim and Resco have consistently demonstrated their ability to adapt, evolve, and thrive. Their unwavering commitment to helping food manufacturers succeed in a rapidly changing market is a testament to Tim's visionary leadership and Resco's enduring legacy. Today, I am honored to hear from Tim Strand himself, a leader whose name is synonymous with excellence in the industry as he shares insights and experiences with all of us listening along. Let's go ahead and welcome Tim. All right, Tim, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I've been looking forward to having you on here uh, for quite a while and looking forward to, to our conversation today, learning more about you and what your business does. So thank you for taking time to meet with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And and yeah, thanks for doing this podcast. I think the industry needed something like this and I appreciate you uh, you know, leading us. Yeah, of course. Of course. Tim, where are you based? Where do you live? So, I live in Hudson, Wisconsin, and that's where we at Resco here are based, uh, right okay. out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul region in the Midwest. So, so who would be your professional sports teams that you support? You know, we're uh, we're kind of border defenders here. So I'm actually okay. a Packers fan, but we're we're right on the St. Croix River, which divides, and and uh, there's a lot of you know Minnesota Vikings fans as well. So we're about fifty fifty as a company, uh, Packers Vikings. It's always a good time of year here in the fall to have that rivalry flare up. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And how did you get into the, into the food business? Yeah. So I, uh, I was born into it. I, um, okay. I grew up eating, you know, expired Oreos and, uh, Teddy Grahams and Nutter Butters and things like that. So, um, it's th- we're a third generation family company. And, uh, my, my grandfather actually started us out in New York in White Plains, New York. And we started as like a, as a, you know, we did mailings and personalized mailings back in the 60s, which was kind of unheard of at the time. Uh, my father, Eric, took the company over in the 80s and kind of realized instead of just providing mailing and printing services in general um, to anybody, to really focus on a vertical. So that vertical ended up being Food and Bev. At the time, Nabisco was the account. I mean, they were giant. They were they were a majority of our sales, and so. He, over the years, would travel to New Jersey and met the entire organization, essentially, throughout the 80s and 90s. And from that, throughout the years, you know, it's a, it's a small, tight-knit 
industry. So people move around, yeah. you get to know names, think people pop up, move around, et cetera. So um, that's kind of how we started to get a handful of clients. And um, yeah, from there, you know, I've been at the company here for about 14 years, um, started wow. during college, kind of an internship. And yeah, so I, a couple years ago, kind of took over leadership of the company and now I'm president. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you. Kind of like yourself, I too am, uh, grew up around the food service industry with my dad. He was a food service broker for a company called Food Sales West. Mm. And he he spent most of his career at that company. The year I was born, I know he was at Cisco. So yeah, I, I definitely grew up around food service. It was funny that coming out of college, I never thought that I would be in this industry. I thought I was going to be financial advisor or something like that. Sure. But, you know... The timing was perfect with his career path and me coming out of school. So six days after I graduated, we started up Portillo Sales and Marketing. And you know, it's really fun to work with family. How's yeah. that experience been for you working with your family? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, both my dad, but we have other family family members in the business too. So uh, I'd say my dad has been the, the big mentor as far as you know how to go about handling people and relationships and all that stuff that, that is just irreplaceable. But we have my brother is actually heading up the, the IT side of our, our business. I have another brother who does our, you know, our, our warehousing and fulfillment operations. And uh, my uncle, who's since retired, you know, built our original systems back in the 90s, etc. So it is still very much a, a family uh, business, although we've got just an awesome team of people here. A lot of them longtime employees too. So it, it's it's a really special company. Um, we have a lot of employees who, who hang around, they're from the area, um, but they really get this glimpse into these you know, giants in the industry, uh, world-renowned yeah. companies. And that's a really cool part of what we do is we, we get invited to, to planning meetings and we get to really see what happens um, with a lot of our, our client companies. So it, it's a fun spot to be and it's, it's a really rewarding company to be part of. I mean, you're a true family-owned company. You got uh, all different kinds of people yeah. in the business. That's awesome. Absolutely. What does your day-to-day look like as president? What is what are some of the responsibilities that you have? Yeah, so I'm. It's a mix. I absolutely love working with our customers, and so I'm. I'm definitely still involved on that side. I used to be on the account management front, so that's I got about ten years of experience. That's kind of how I learned and and got my toes wet is um, managing clients here. And I, I still have a passion for that. So I, I love being a part of, again, strategic planning sessions. Usually they'll, they'll have some kind of a challenge or an opportunity on their hands and they, they want our input as to how to help. So I, I love that part of it. And then beyond that, I work with our other divisions. So we, we have a print shop. We have uh, food handling, food safety that we do here on site for samples. We have designers uh, and developers. So and fulfillment, kidding, you know, warehousing, and all that stuff. So it's working with a lot of these departments and seeing, okay, if the data is here, what kind of cool things can we do? And kind of spanning internally and inside of our walls, what the possibilities are. And then again, taking that to our account teams and really putting that, those ideas to work uh, for our clients. Sure. Yeah. And for those listening, for the manufacturers listening or distributors or whoever it may be in the food industry, yeah. what are some of the things that you know, they, uh, uh, someone working with you could come to expect? Yeah. So our whole thing is providing exceptional sales support, right? So okay. we, we can really only help you if you value your brand and you're trying to just amaze your customers. 
If you're not trying okay. to do that, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, best of luck. <laughs> not uh, for you. I don't think a lot of people would say that's not their thing. But you know, if you're selling right. commodity flour by the truckload and like brand doesn't like, there's just no point in having you know awesome help and, and uh, going to market with us. But you know, where we come in is either supporting the sales side and making tools and materials and, and things that you need to do your job on the sales side, whether that be the broker or the, or the direct sales rep or national accounts or what have you. And then also helping on the marketing side, you know, again, we focus on food service and there's so okay. many accounts that just aren't called on. It, it's, it's impossible to call on everybody with feet on the street. So we help yeah. kind of supplement that and get the message out and extend the sales reach and warm up opportunities and accounts to help the broker team have leads to call on that are true leads and not just, you know, clicks on a banner ad or something like that. So those are the two uh, ways we, we split the business. And, and, and those are the things that we find people need a lot of help up with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, working with, you know, many brands over the last few years, last eight years since I've been in the food service industry, it, it's interesting to see, <clears throat> it, it's kind of like a spectrum. You, you have on one side, some brands have no point of sale, like they just don't understand it to the complete opposite, you know, where it's, it's like in their blood and in, in their DNA. Yeah. Uh, and I think most probably fill, uh, fall within the middle somewhere and they need help. Yeah. And it sounds like you're fulfilling a need in that regard. You know, creating point of sale and marketing materials and things like that. Some people don't even know where to start or they have something in place and that it doesn't look as crisp or as clean or it doesn't tell the story properly. Um, you know, because when it comes down to marketing, I found that it's one thing to talk about the features and benefits of your product, but how is that good for the customer? You know, how are they going to uh, make money using your product? Exactly. You know, things like that and, and telling a story that's good for the customer. A lot of times people tell the story of why they think their product is mm -hmm. good. You know, it's it's got this feature and this feature and this feature, but to a customer, it's a Okay, so what? Right. So very interesting what you're doing. As you're the manufacturer, like you think of your category as so much more important than anybody else does, mm -hmm. right? So, which is good. That probably means you have a passion for what you do, but it's also like you have to, the, the biggest thing, you have to listen, right? Like you, you have to, in sales calls, in interactions, at trade shows, you have to really just stop and listen and put your own company's needs and drives aside and say, you know, what is it that operator XYZ is asking for? If, if I'm a college university food service director right now, this is a crazy time of year. Okay, let's listen to why it's crazy and the issues that they have. And if you can be just a little bit helpful in that, the door is open and, and they'll come to you when they know that they know you're the chocolate guy or the fruit guy or the, you know, like that stuff will fall into place. Um, you can't lead with like what you said, features and benefits. That's like the last thing that's important for a lot of people. Yeah. So you're a young guy, and I, I'm. What has the experience been like for you being the president of a company? Yeah, it's um, especially in food service. You know, things move a little slower, and it's. I I find um, in some ways it's it's challenging. In some ways, it's it's really fun because I feel like there's a lot of things that that you see in the outside world, um, whether it's on LinkedIn or talking to other friends in different business, you know, industry things like that. I think there's an opportunity to bring a lot of that into food service. Yeah. But I've also seen it where the industry has its own characteristics, right? Like you, you're not going to, it is a relationship business. You're not going to change that overnight just by making a TikTok video. Like that has to be part of who food service is. So I think there's got to be mm -hmm. some filtering too. Like marketing's different 
to companies um, and operators than it is to, to consumers, you know? So yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting for all of us. And, and um, you know, you're, you're younger as well. And I think all of our eyes are open to what is, what does AI mean? What does uh, the future food show look like? Are you going to have to call on customers so much um, in person or what does distribution look like? You know, is Amazon going to eat everybody's lunch? And that's been all I've heard my whole life and it hasn't happened yet. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like there, right. there's probably good reasons why that's, that's not where we are yet. And so kind of respecting the fact that maybe not everything's going to change like everybody thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that counterintuitive, you know, I still encourage people to do handwritten notes. Like, yeah, you could do marketing automation and send, you know, however many thousands of messages out generically, but you'll probably get more out of writing hand five handwritten notes to somebody and checking in, right? Like there's just so much more tangible result that comes from that. And again, creating that experience and that memorable connection with the brand is, is really hard to replace. I love handwritten notes. Um, I've been <clears throat> using that for years now, and I went over to the local Kinkos and I got you know thick paper stock, put our logo on there and our address, put it, and I just I just start writing them. I can usually do, you know, in an app. I usually set aside an hour, and you know, you put thought into yeah. it anywhere between five to ten of them an hour. And but it's you know it's really as you mentioned building that deep connection with somebody and it's so unique because how often do we actually get a handwritten letter in the mail? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of you know there's probably a lot of high profile events that our customers are manufacturers, so that's kind of how I view the world. But I know from a manufacturer's standpoint, there's really big events that happen where you're going to talk to like top to top type contacts. And again, yeah, if you walk away with one really good opportunity from an event like this. And you, again, you write a note or it can be email, but notes just that much more personable and, you know, send a little gift or a, a tiny fun sample without a sales slant to it. That person's going to instantly call you out in a good way. Next time I see you at a trade show, or if you're an IFMA or something like that, instantly you have a friend and that goes a long way sure. in the industry. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Talk to me about lead generation. You mentioned that. What does that look like for you? And yeah. Yeah, I guess. Tell me about that process. Sure. I'm curious. So, um, again, our customers are primarily food service manufacturers. Um, food and Bev doesn't have to be food service. Works best in food service. So, a lot of times, what you can do is just reach out to a, a broad net and start to kind of narrow that funnel down as to who maybe is a, is a great customer for a particular new product launch or, or something you're trying to to accomplish in the industry. So. We at Resco have a big list. You can get lists anywhere, but we often will execute direct mail, which again seems like archaic, old school. Why would you do that type of a thing? It totally works. It's the best tactic mm. that I've seen, still is, in cutting through the clutter and getting to decision makers because people move around. And when they move around, their email address changes, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. uh, the food service director might be somewhere else in a year. Poof, that opportunity is gone. That, that list is no longer good. So if you send a postcard or a kit or a mailer and link it to a digital experience or an offer, that's the best way to really cast a net. You can make 10,000 sales calls in a week. That's just crazy, right? So if you send a, you know, for example, a mailer out to an an account, you could target hospitals across the country or K-12 or whoever you want, bartenders. So a really good method is to offer a sample of your product um, to qualified operators. They'll have to respond back with their data and information. 
So you right there, you start to actually make your own list with those responses. Yeah. And we help fulfill all that on your behalf. So you guys aren't having to run around and put stuff in boxes or drive all around town to make that sample happen. Being food service, you, you have to taste it. And that's going to be your best sales tool. And then we actually have an internal teleservice team that'll call and follow up on all those sample uh, accounts that have sampled your product. So you end up, say you reach out to 10,000 people, get about a 3 to 5% response rate. So maybe 400 operators are actually pretty interested. The other, it's great. That's a heck of a lot of operators. Yeah, right. So you 400 sales opportunities. So you have all those sampling events. We can call on them. You know, you might end up with half of them, 200 that are actually legitimately, they're already buying or planning on buying. And that's where we can help either just continue the sale or hand it over to the sales and broker team and say, hey, all these people just tried your product. They're incredibly engaged. Now, Nick, you know, this hospital in Minneapolis just, just tried um, a sample of XYZ, but your bag's wide open now. Now they're excited and engaged. Right. And now you're not having to make a cold call. And and it's it's just a, a great spot to, to hand over a, a relationship. So that's how you can kind of, you know, expand the sales reach. Again, you're never going to be able to call on every single operator and overlap is fine. You know, like Nick, you could have a list of 10 accounts that you're like, these are my babies. I, I know these people so well. I go to their businesses every other month. It doesn't hurt if they still get a marketing message, a special package on their doorstep, that kind of stuff. So we're really about like that experiential marketing, especially in food service, because it's it's not, you're not talking about millions of people that you need to to touch. It's usually a couple hundred, a couple thousand. And within that, the numbers get finite, you know, and, and more detailed as, as people are engaged. So let's say you send out to 10,000 uh, operators a mailer. Is it, is it like a postcard or is it a handwritten letter or what does that look like? Yeah, there's really cool things you can do now with um, variability and personalization. So it depends on the yeah. list that you've got. Uh, if it's generic, yeah, it could be uh, a postcard with a QR code on it. It could autofill when they scan it with their phone, autofill their information, and bam, they can submit their request right there. Mm-hmm. Other things, you know, if you're going out to a more finite list, you could do a, a gift kit or something like that too. So again, you can do all this in the digital world. We do plenty of email messaging and things like that. Yeah. That's more the once you have a an identified opt-in list of people who are comfortable with your brand and excited about hearing from you, then they have no problem getting your emails and hearing about you. And so that's where you kind of get them on the email train. But that initial, you know, memorable happening is is best suited in the physical world. And there's kind of this Amazon effect. Uh, you know, when you get home and there's a package on your doorstep, that's probably one of the first things you do when you get home is interact with that package, right? So now that's right. If you get a really cool, fully branded box from a company that you respect in the industry, you're going to open that up. You're going to have, you're going to spend time with that. Opposed to an email message, you know, you get maybe I don't know how many you get a day. It's just like I, I barely read past the first or second word of the subject line before it's gone. I rarely even open them. In terms of like marketing effort, I think that's important to ask yourself. There's a lot of people who have digital marketing teams, and I'm always like. That's great. That's obviously digital is a huge part of the world. And you have to have GS1 data and you have to be in the systems and work with your suppliers and all that. But mm-hmm. get a little gorilla and kind of feel that, like think outside of the box. And it's okay to have things physically happen or somebody get a gift or, or you know, trade shows are an awesome way to do this. And you're not sending stuff like crazy either. Um, so right. and that could be another 
tip of the funnel type activity is make sure you're scanning those badges or have some kind of an enter to win giveaway or just make it interesting and fun and be it trade shows are an opportunity to not be yourself and come out of your shell a little bit and be that zany person in the aisle making a scene you know it's funny how far that goes and people just want to have fun at trade shows and be dazzled and entertained yeah absolutely absolutely I, I can imagine somebody thinking, okay, you have a list of 10,000 people that you want to send a mailer to. How do you find the contact information? Or do you just send it out generic and, and you know hope that it, it, gets, it lands in the right hands? Yeah. Again, if you have a great list, we would love to personalize it you know, and, and have the whole front say you know, something with your name on it or, or something like that. But a lot of times you can just be generally specific to the title of who the decision maker would be in that segment. So segment, knowing your segments and knowing what those customers want is going to really help those campaigns be effective. There might be times you need to say food service director versus food service manager or bartender or general manager or things like that. So again, industry knowledge and just the know-how of how these operators work. But even if it's somebody who just grabs the mail every day uh, for a healthcare campus, that that piece of mail is going to find the inbox of the person who makes the decisions for healthcare. Yeah. So that's an am- amazingly old school, but totally useful way um, to get your message to a decision maker. So once somebody receives the mailer, let's say, for example, and they said, yes, I'm interested in a sample. So then you help with the back end part of that too. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So that's a, a really big and growing part of our business. So either involved in one of these lead gen campaigns or just a perennial, you know, evergreen everyday type activity. We've got a clean room. We're inspected by all kinds of health agencies and follow food safety protocol. So we break down full cases of product. It could be a, a, you know, case of 300 cinnamon rolls or something like that. And I can't imagine trying to lug five different products around each a full case of IQF, whatever. So we break that down into little baggies. We have really cool like labels that we do with QR codes and handling instructions and that's on the frozen side. Um, so we can handle that with dry ice. You can do two-day ship so it's efficient. And you can mix and match. You could send like eight or ten SKUs in one box versus eight or ten cases You know that you're having to lug around on a cart. And it's just operators don't want that much to sample either. So, um, And then on the dry side, we, we handle that as, as well. So that's a, a you know, we're, we are a sampling solution if you don't want to do full case samples. And then because we have all this other sales support material here, we have got the swag and we've got the literature and, and, and you know different sales tools. You can put that together in a nice box and again, create that experience for the operator. So whether it's direct to the operator or if it's someone like you coming on our, our Resco Online dashboard and ordering everything you need to make a sales call or do a, a complete follow-up, we try to reduce friction and all that because a lot of the times our contacts, they've got bigger things to do. Like they shouldn't be packing boxes and they, there shouldn't be a storeroom at headquarters with all this stuff in it. You know, that's, we love to help out in that regard. Totally. And and then once the product goes out or once the kit in this example goes out to the customer, do you deliver it yourself or use a third party to, to deliver it? Yeah, no, we use, uh, you know, third party carrier. We mostly use UPS to be honest. And um, yeah, that way it's reliable and efficient. And um, yeah. yeah, we can hit, ground or second day to, to the entire country, just given where we are in the, in the Midwest. Wow. So it's a really efficient way. Again, even if it's local, say you live in LA, right? I think it's a much better decision to send something two day ship across town versus spending three hours round trip in LA traffic, right? So part of yeah. our goal is to save time for salespeople too. Like 
we don't want them spending a lot of time trying to find the tools that they need. We, we're trying to, any time you can focus on selling and talking to customers and doing what you're great at as salespeople and not other stuff that, that could be done elsewhere, it's just like, you can be so much more effective. You can make X many more calls in a week um, if you just really focus on what you're good at and leave uh, you know, other, everything else to us or, or your manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. It, we've actually this year we've un, uh, uncovered a, a company called GLS. I don't know if you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. and they're here. They're a regional. They're like a regional FedEx, sure. and we can ship anything on ice or dry for ten bucks. Has to fit into a certain size box. I think it's like seventeen by seventeen by seventeen size box. And it can go anywhere for $10. And it's like the greatest secret that we've unveiled. (laughs) Because let's say, you know, our office is in Orange County. And let's say a customer out in Bakersfield, which is two hours away, needs a sample. You know, the the time and effort to drive all the way out there, sample the product, and then drive all the way back, it's too much. For $10, I can send you a sample. Then we can set up a Zoom or I can give you a call out there after or work with your distributor rep, whatever it may be. And you save so much time, so much money. Yeah. And it's just way quicker for the the operator too to get the product. Exactly, and I, I totally understand and respect those times when you you want to see their kitchen and you want to talk to them, and and that's great. But maybe that's already happened, and now you're you're really at a you know point where you you just need to show a product, uh, and they, they get that you're already a good contact. So yeah, another you know those handwritten notes too. Like we actually do handwritten notes on behalf of a lot of our client contacts. It's not actually them writing the note from them. That's fine. You know, it's anything we can do. We love to be the heroes behind the scenes and, you know, anything that that you can do that makes your customers feel special and we can help you scale that. That's a really powerful tool um, because you only have so much time in your week. And so time's a a big thing to think about and, and focus on. Yeah, totally. When it comes to your handwritten notes, you have someone just sitting there writing them out. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, we get scrappy. Like, like we've done all kinds of stuff. Again, we can do variable print and a lot of creative things when it comes to personalization on a not handwritten basis. But if it's a small amount, you know, each one of our clients here get assigned an account manager. So that person Mm -hmm. is essentially the, the liaison between our services and our clients organization. And a lot of the times they're on weekly calls. They know exactly which sales drives are coming up, which events just happened, the follow-up that needs to occur. And so we have no problem just raising our hands. Hey, would you like help with that? You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff just we don't lead by saying, "Hey, we can do handwritten notes as a service necessarily." But things like that come yeah. up over the course of like maybe we were just at flavor experience, or maybe we were just uh, at, at some really important event, and uh, you know that kind of stuff is what we love helping with is the strategic problem solving. It's way past tactical execution, but that's that is what we yeah. do. But we just we try to start it at such a higher level than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds like, you know, you're solving a lot of problems for people and they say that the, some of the most successful businesses and people solve just solve more problems than the average person does because on the manufacturer side they do, you know, th- their their core thing is they're great at producing a product, but right. everything else, you know, they may need help with. Yep. And so if you can help solve as many of those problems as possible, the more money you're going to make. Yeah, absolutely. And I that goes goes for all facets of the industry, right? Like you're a distributor sales rep, that goes for you. If, if you're a broker, that goes for you. So, and I think there's a lot of learning, certainly for me, I'm so thankful for a lot of the mentors I've had in the industry, for IFMA, the, the organization, they're just fantastic at 
people sharing experiences. And, and one of the probably, if I'm talking to somebody who's maybe 22, 23 years old and just getting into this industry, it's learn as much as you can from other people's experiences. Like, yeah, you can learn it all yourself, but you'll be 50, 60 years old by the time you're feeling really confident. It helps to be in those meetings and just totally be a fly on the wall, strategic conversations. Anytime you can listen to somebody who really knows their stuff, it's amazing to just listen. I can't emphasize listening enough because you learn so much. That was kind of the impetus for starting this podcast was when I got into the industry, my dad's like, there's no books on how to be successful in food service sales. You just need totally. to go out there and do yeah. it. And so I, I, I went out and started doing it and learning it slowly. And I was like, there's got to be a faster way. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to start, we're going to start a podcast and we're going to interview people that are interesting that have made it to the top in the industry who are, you know, really making headwinds and changing the way the food service industry operates. And that way there's, there's a dialogue that people can listen to once a week to learn how to be, uh, you know, to learn this industry. So that was kind of the start of this podcast because I, I agree with you. You want to surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. It's it's a it's a life hack. It's yeah. you don't necessarily have to go out there and just grind for five years to learn the industry. How can I shorten that time horizon and learn from people who have already been there and done that? Yep. And I to your credit, like podcast is an outstanding format. I use all the time I have a podcast on because the long format is is so informational. You can get so much more specific detail. Like you can't read headlines or you can't go on Twitter X or whatever and, and really learn a lot. You can get entertained, but there's there's a lot that is to be said for specific detail um, and the nuance of a role or a company or an industry. So, totally. yeah, totally. In your space, is there a lot of companies doing things that are similar to you? Yeah, there's a couple. I know we have a yeah. couple friendly competitors in the industry, and and honestly, that's that's necessary. It's always going to be there because. Well, yeah. first of all, the things that we do are not crazy. Like we, you know, printing, yeah, we, you have to have some equipment, but anybody can print. Yeah, you can put a, right. something in a box and ship it out, but anybody can do that too. So it's kind of that strategic approach and, and getting in, in, you know, learning challenges of competitors. But yeah, there's other couple other companies that, that do what we do, and I think they do it well. Um, and we're always going to kind of need each other because the industry is small and there's competitors out there yeah. like, at some point, you know, you, you can't necessarily have multiple manufacturers doing the exact same thing because if you're in those strategic conversations, that's probably not a good thing either. So, yeah. yeah. And how do manufacturers typically find you? It's, like I said before, throughout the 80s and 90s with the Nabisco, you know, how, kind of how that worked is typically when we start working with a customer, uh, it's, a, it's a long-term thing and we love that. And uh, we really get to know and become friends with contacts at our, our client companies. And things happen, things change. So people move around. And a lot of the times we'll get a phone call from a friendly face at a new company that says, Hey, I can't imagine living without you guys. Now I loved what you did with at the last company. You know, we, we need to get on board with you guys. But you know, if must been again, great for industry introductions and involvement, occasionally at trade shows, you know, if I'm talking to somebody during setup or teardown or something like that, and, and I notice they can use our services, I'm sometimes there to help our clients. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay, not asking for any names of any manufacturers, but if you could think back of any story or case study that you've done that produced a really good result and the manufacturer is very happy with. Yeah, okay, we, we've done quite a few and they range from national account stuff all the way to just like to the masses. Um, yeah. 
There's one where I think we did a highly targeted new product launch. And you know how Tiffany's has the blue box? Yes. We did like a Tiffany's-like experience like that. And we did it super high touch, super, super personalized. And it was like an invitation. And from that, it wasn't too salesy. It, it warmed it up. But we got from 100 that we did, I think we got 13 national accounts that spawned meetings. And from that, I think four or five were sales. So wow, five national account actual sales. I mean, it had to generate millions um, over the, its life, right? Of those relationships gained and things like that. So that's just one that's in my mind. I know there's a lot of them on the lead gen side. But then on the other side of the world, like a lot of it's just helping teams get focused. I, I think I think I often hear you ask, if you could tell the food service world one thing on this podcast, what would it be? And I would say yeah. my answer to that is like focus. Give your time give your your sales organization the time they need, over communicate things and stick with things. So make a calendar for the year, you know, have awesome meetings and get aligned with your broker team or or your chefs or whoever. And then don't chase a squirrel next week because something happened in the industry and now everybody's got whiplash. Like, stay with it. Things take a lot longer than you think, especially new product launches. And just do that. Your other product lines will be fine. Like, you don't have to talk about everything every year or every quarter. So six-month focus windows instead of quarterly or monthly could be really good. And then go deep into that. Do like four or five really fun guerrilla marketing tactics. Make sure everybody's clear and knows where your sales tools are. You know, just focus. Don't try to whip around. It it's so easy in a planning meeting or, you know, quarterly check-in to just be like, what are we going to talk about next? But you have to get the momentum of the organization. And I mean, you as a broker, you you probably feel that all the time of like, wait a minute, we just heard that this is launching and now you want us to talk about that thing. Like, so that that's a big tool. And it's tough within some of these really big organizations that have hundreds of products and multiple category leaders. And I get everyone wants kind of the light of day. But if you can prioritize top segments and top products and then just stop and do that for six months, I think that's that's kind of a hack in the industry. It, you know, Things move very fast, but it doesn't mean you have to move in a disorganized manner. manner you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You're right. It, you know, new product launches are very difficult. Mm-hmm. The manufacturer has a great idea. It's a great product. It f- fulfills a need for sure. But how do you get it out to the masses, as you're as you're mentioning? And in our company, that's a that's a big deal because we know it's a hot button for our manufacturers, and they're paying us to figure that out and how to get the product yeah. out. For us, I, I agree with your the word of focus. It's you know we meet with our team every week. We have a standing meeting um, on Monday mornings. Where our whole team meets and we talk about, you know, what are the, the the things that we need to focus on this week? And let's say a, a manufacturer has an initiative. It's we'll talk about that for weeks and weeks and weeks in a row, so it kind of really sinks into our team's minds, and so it stays top of mind. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be stagnant and like launch something once and not do. So I would say if you are focusing on a you know product A, for example, mm-hmm. at month two and month four and month six, do. Do some fun stuff. Try things out and do some guerrilla marketing or provide new new tools to your team. We've seen, we're in a unique position that we get to kind of report on activity within, we have a system called Resco Online, which is where all the behind the scenes, you log in and get all the support materials you need for a given manufacturer. There's a almost direct correlation to like the top 10 most active users on that platform are the highest performing salespeople in that organization because they're using the tools that are, 
you know, exciting and interesting to talk about. And you can't just put out a sell sheet and be stocked at a distributor and expect sales to happen. You have to give someone like you, Nick, an awesome, fun thing to talk about or show. You'll take it from there. Like you're, you're going to be a pro at, at solving operator issues, but you have to have a spark and something to talk about. So that's where mm-hmm. still sales tools are, are huge, whether that's digital or physical, you know, what have you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a gentleman named John Rulin. He wrote a book called Giftology. Mm. And I heard him speak a couple of years ago. And it really changed my my mind around, you know, connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And it's really around learning different tactics on how to give people gifts and how to, you know, better follow up and, you know, creating an emotional and memorable experience. Sure. And it, it's very, it was, a, it's a short read. It's probably like a hundred pages and it, he's a, he's a fun person to, to listen along to. And it's really impactful. I think anybody listening, definitely give that book a read, Giftology, because I think it's, you know, in a busy world in food service, you're trying, you're fighting for people's attention and even through social media, you know, we're in an attention economy. So it's important to break through all that noise and, and determine, hey, how can I get a response from this potential customer? Yeah, absolutely. So you've been in business, or your company's been in business for 60 years. What's next? Yeah, so we are, our goal is to hit 100 clients by 2030. That's our big ambitious goal here at Resco. We're about 30 clients right now. But that's with the constraint of we need to continue to maintain our high level of closeness to our clients and, and be side by side with them. And so for us, a lot of it is samples, right? Mm-hmm. You can't buy something unless you taste it. That's something that is just not going to go away um, as we move to the digital age. And yeah, and then providing that personal experience isn't going away either. So over the last three years, that's changed a lot. You know, starting in 2020, we were doing all kinds of like virtual call support kits and things like that. That hasn't really gone away. Again, to the, the points we talked to earlier, yeah, you can drive across town now, but I don't know if there's necessarily a need for that. And and yeah. for us, we're seeing more and more people being mindful of you know capital expense at headquarters. And do we really need to run our own POS closet and do all this stuff ourselves? So we are proudly the outsource partner for many, many big manufacturers where we just handle everything on their behalf. We're their partner, we're behind the scenes, and that tends to work well where we can run equipment programs and merchandising and signage and samples, everything that accompanies the sale that's not really core, like you said, to manufacturing food. So right. we're, we're finding a lot of success there, and yeah, we will plan to continue that for multiple years here to come. What about for the people listening along? How can they connect with you? What's the best way to reach sure. out? Sure. So I'm I'm active on LinkedIn, Tim Strand. Um, you'll see a president at Resco on there, but rescocompany.com is our, our email address and then or excuse me, our URL. And then um, I'm a member of IFMA. Again, I'll plug them forever. They're just an awesome industry organization. So I'm attending President's Conference coming up here and a lot of the other events that they have. So if you're if you are an IFMA member, I'd love to connect at, at the next event. Um, and you'll often see me at trade shows and you know getting into it in the industry. And Resco is R-E-S-C-O.com, correct? Rescocompany.com, all spelled out. Oh, Resco Company. Okay, good. That's right. And what does Resco stand for? That's actually my grandfather's uh, initials, uh, Ralph Emanuel Strand Company. So uh, I love that. Right in the family there. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on, share your story uh, or your family's story and what you've been up to. found this conversation really, really cool and learned a lot from you and, and love what you're doing. So keep it up. And I, I hope to see you soon at, a, at an event, maybe at an IFMA event or something like that. But Absolutely. Thank you again for coming on and taking time. Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me. And again, thanks for what you're doing for the industry. I think everybody benefits from these uh, episodes. So keep it up. Thanks so much.